Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. So last week, I heard that Dr. Monique kicked this thing off proper life. Wow. We started a series last week that we have entitled Pivot Points. And uh, Dr. Monique Flemings took us into the unknown zone and helped us to understand a little bit of context as to what happens when God comes and uh, pivots us in a new direction. Because here's the truth. We don't mind change as long as we get to offer it. Right? We like new stuff that we ask for. Lord, I need a new job. Lord, I'm tired of being alone. Send me a new boo. Lord, I need a new car, a new house, a new this and a new that. And then you pray and then the Lord answers it and then you get on your tie tribute. New, 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 everything new, right? You get excited. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for more. Like you just singing and just walking in the cool of the garden with the Lord. But what about those pivots that come that you didn't ask for? <laughs> what about those change, of course, that comes from heaven that catches you completely off guard? You'd be like, same, 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 keep it the same, same. I don't like change. Unless it's the type of change that we author, that we control, that we request it. But God doesn't always work on our schedules, our timelines, and he doesn't always grant us our wishes because he's not a genie in the bottle. But what he does do, he pivots us in a lot of instances for a purpose. He brings change to our lives because he's trying, he's trying to make us better. Even if it's the type of change that we did not ask for. Oftentimes, those are the ones that do the most hard work for us. So here's the big thought for this entire series. God brings change into your life in order to change you so that you can change the world. But in order to qualify for this, you have to first understand that you're not the you that you need to be right now. There's more to you than what you see in the mirror currently. Now, this is a room full of accomplished people who have done amazing things. But what if all that you've been through, all that you've experienced, all that you've checked off your list is only a fraction of who God sent you to this earth to be? What if there was so much more that God had in store for you? Oftentimes that doesn't come revealed unto us until God hits us with a pivot point. To not just change the direction of our lives, but to change our lives. 
because his goal is to bring change into our life in order to change us so that we can change the world. Today, could you join me in the book of Exodus? That's the second book in your Bible. I'll be in the third chapter starting, excuse me, the second chapter starting at verse 11. Exodus 2 and 11. A very familiar passage of scripture. Very familiar Bible character. One of the greatest people in our Bibles by the name of Moses. And um, he has an interesting story from birth to death. We learn so much from him. And one thing's for sure that you can say about Moses is that his life was full of pivot points. I'll be reading in the NLT version. Exodus 2 and 11 says, Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews. He saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid his body in the sand. The next day, when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Now they're fighting each other. Why are you beating up your friend, Moses said to, one, to the one who started the fight. The man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? That's interesting. Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? I see you. Then Moses was afraid, thinking everyone knows what I did. Next verse. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened. And he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. Now let's fast forward. I need you to turn to chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. <coughs> when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am. Moses replied, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, 
the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. <coughs> you must lead my people out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Today, we're going to be talking from the message of out of character, out of character. Let's pray. Lord, we bless your holy name because you are awesome and perfect and good and kind and merciful to us. <clears throat> We're grateful to be sitting here in your presence. Thank you for coming to see us and see about us and be with us and help us. We don't take it for granted. Your presence is precious, more precious than life itself. We ask that as we dwell in your presence, that you speak to our hearts and change our lives so that you may get the glory out of it. In Jesus' name we pray. God's people said out of character. So last Saturday, my wife and I celebrated 17 years of marriage. <laughs> so we had two stops. We was in the Dominican Republic with some friends, and then we went to Miami by ourselves. And um, in between there, something really interesting happened, right? So we were, not that, but something else really interesting happened. So we were, we were in the Dominican Republic with, with, with four other couple friends of ours. And so um, at the conclusion <coughs> of everything, we kind of divided everything up. And, and one of the couples like put everything on, on their card. And then the rest of us sent them our part of the vacation, right? And so we, we get to the airport and, you know, we're, we're, we're in a foreign land. So there was, there was some 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 stuff going on that we couldn't figure out. So once we got to Miami, um, we 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 tried to send our portion and it kept getting rejected. It kept like saying, no, nah, you can't. And so we had to call the customer service to figure out like what's going on. And so we called a few times and, 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 and then um, I called again. And I was letting them know like, yo, we're trying to send some money because you're our friends, some money. And we keep getting this error message. Can you look at our account? And kind of see like what's going on. So they asked me all these security questions and only things that I would know. And they was like, when was the last time you traveled? I was like, we was just in the Dominican Republic. And they was like, well, what type of phone did you use? I was like, it's an iPhone because that's the best phone. So I clearly, like, what else would I use? And, <laughs> and she just kept asking me questions. And then like I, I, like I answered all, like I passed the test, y'all. I mean, it was me, right? So, and then, then they asked me one more question and I gave them the answer. And she said, well, this has to go to high review, um, click. She hung up on me. Now at that point, I'm still saved. Right? So I called back and went to the question, 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 question. I answer, I answer, different person, um, da, 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 click. They hung up on me twice. At this point, my, 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 my salvation is, is, is leaking. It's leaking a little bit, right? And I'm mad. Like I threw, the, like I threw my phone. Don't judge me. I threw my phone because I was upset. It's got an otter box on it, so it didn't break. 
I was upset and I had to sit in it for a second because I felt the old me coming back. I felt myself coming out of character because the old me had a short temper and a mean right hook. And that wasn't a good match. And the Lord has taken me on a journey. I'm talking about from childhood to adulthood where I had to come out of some things when it came to my anger and my temper and my, and my uh, uh, always getting in fights and stuff like that. And I felt myself coming out of the new character that God gave me and falling, drifting back into an old character. So I just had to sit in it. I had to, I had to just pause. I had to not talk. My wife was trying to, you know, talk uh, me down and help me. I couldn't even hear what she was saying. I, I was just... I was just like, I was just staring off in the space trying to bring the temperature down. I'm going to call one more because they got my money. I'm mad. They pressing. It's my money. Why are y'all harassing me about my, I answered all your little questions. You sent little, little encrypted text message and I told you the code. Clearly it's me. Call one more time. I'm mad. But the Holy Spirit helped me. Because I knew I wasn't about to talk to the same person. So I was very calm externally. Internally, I was on fire. But I was calm externally. I got back to the real me, the new me, the, the developed me. And I interacted with this person, went through the same thing. But this time, this, this gentleman was like super helpful. He listened to what I was saying. I explained the same thing to him that I explained to everybody else. But this time, this person listened. Now, the temptation was to take out the angst from the first two people on this third person. But if I would have entered into this situation with that angst on my back, if I would have entered into this conversation out of character, I would have missed a blessing because he went above and beyond to fix the situation and the situation got resolved. Sometimes God sends things your way to remind you that you have been taken out of an old character and you have been developed into a new character, but you got to make the decision as to who's going to stay and who's going to go. So this message is called out of character because whenever a pivot point shows up, he's trying to get something out of your character and he's trying to get something out of your character. I said two different things with the same words. In other words, Pivot points come because he's trying to get something out of your character. Old ways, old mindsets, limited thinking, sin. But he's also trying to get something out of your, in other words, bring something out of your character that's there, that's buried, that's hidden, that's not active, that you're going to need in order to enter into what God has for you. You can find this littered all throughout the story of Moses. See, we, we, we started our, our reading today in chapter two, but his story doesn't begin there. See, Moses was born in a time 
where there were two class of people in the land of Egypt. There were the Egyptians who were the ruling class, the oppressors. And then there were the Hebrews, which is another name just for the, for the, for the Jews, the children of God. They were also in Egypt, but they were the slaves. They were the oppressed. And Moses was born into a Hebrew family by two Hebrew parents. He is the great, 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 great grandson of Abraham. But he was born at a time where the Pharaoh of that day said, all male Hebrew children that are born are to be killed. A shadow and a type of what would happen when Jesus showed up. They were afraid that the Hebrews would continue to grow in population and get so strong that they would overtake the people of Egypt. And they didn't want that. So Pharaoh said, kill all the males. But God interceded. And the midwives who were charged with the task of discarding all male babies into the Nile River, they feared God. And they didn't do it. And when the Pharaoh questioned them, they said, yo, the, the Hebrew women, they're not like us. And by the time we get there, you know, the baby, there's nothing we can do. But still, Moses' life was in danger just because he was born a male Hebrew. And so his mother didn't want him to lose his life and created a basket and put him in the river. Come on, you went to Sunday school and floated him on down the Nile River. And he was adopted, picked up by the daughter of Pharaoh. So Moses, the Hebrew, was adopted by the royal Egyptian family and was raised in that household. Not as a Hebrew, but as an Egyptian. But he knew who he was. His identity was intact, but he was still raised over here. But as he began to grow something began to happen on the inside of him. And he began to have a distaste for what was happening to his people. It began to bother him. That's why it says in Exodus 2 and 11, many years later when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews. He knew these were his people. He knew he was privileged, but he still knew who his people were. And he saw how hard, that's a clue, how hard they were forced to work. He noticed, like, this isn't right what's happening to my people. And then Moses, excuse me, uh, during his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. Do you know what was happening here? Pivot points come because they give us character clues. They give us character clues. Why was he bothered by the oppression of his people? Because he was a deliverer the whole time. God already had deliverer inside of him. That's why when he saw the oppression, he couldn't stand it to the point that he kills a man. He goes and commits murder 
because he didn't handle the clue of his character properly. Some of you are bothered by certain things. You see certain things in the world, in your family, in your life, on your job, and you don't realize that it's a clue as to who God sent you to that place, that family, that location to be. But it's not just enough to identify the clue of your character. You got to handle the clue a certain way. Guys, I've always been a pastor. I didn't start last year. It was always there. Can I help you by being transparent? I ran like Usain Bolt. I didn't handle it right. Why would I run? Because I made it about me. And that's why some of you are running. You're well aware the clues have been made. No, you're not unaware of what God has put in you. What you are is afraid of executing on the clue that you see. Some of you feel like oh, you blew it. Like maybe you attempted to do something with the clue, but what you attempted to do was an improper response, much like Moses. And because you believe that you blew it, you said, forget it. It's been blown. There's nothing else I can do. <laughs> Thank God that God ain't like us. Thank God that God is so full of mercy. Thank God that God is so full of grace. That even in our humanity, when we blow it, we can come to him. And he calls us a mighty deliverer. He calls us more than conqueror. He's talking about you with your flaws. See, we've been sold a brand of Christianity that says that, you know, when we come on down and we, we say the prayer and we give our life to the Lord, that everything's going to line up perfectly up and to the right. There's going to be no no problems, no static. You just got to pray more. Hmm? You just got to fast more. Uh-huh. You just got to serve more. You just got to get, and everything's going to be up and to the right. The problem is we've got flesh. The problem is we're not Jesus. The problem is we get in the way sometimes with our fears. We get in the way sometimes with our sin decisions. We get in the way sometimes. Sometimes we get in the way. That's what happened to Moses. That clue was there. He was not happy. He wasn't happy with his people being oppressed because within his character was the call to be the deliverer of his people. But then he went out and Verse 12 says he looked around both directions, made sure wasn't nobody looking. What's that called? Premeditated murder. <laughs> he, he accidentally killed him. That, that's manslaughter. This is premeditated murder. You go to jail for life for that. You get the death penalty for premeditated murder. Verse 12 says, after looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian. Dang. 
So sometimes we get the clue and sometimes we mess up the clue. And then a pivot point has to come to provide character correction. Because if we prematurely act on a clue in the wrong way, now, now God has to provide correction. I expected the silence there because it's not a good shouting point. When God has to correct your character. <laughs> we love to talk about promotion, elevation, giftings, super apostles, ultimate, uh, ultimate prophets, and I don't know all the names. Mega pastor. But, but, but there we go. Super saint. But what about when, when, when you just need to be corrected? What about when your character requires correction despite how many people you've prayed for? Despite how many demons you've casted out? Despite how many sermons you've preached and all the amens you've got? What about when you need correction? It's uncomfortable. So after all this, now Moses can't stay. He's got to leave the palace. He was royalty. He was the prince. And now he's got to go. Pivot point. Man, we love a pivot that we control. <laughs> but when correction needs to come and it catches us off guard and our life gets completely altered, what do we do as Christians then? Do we complain? We point the finger at God. Why did you let this happen to me? How could you let this be? Why did you take them from me? I thought you were the God of love. Do we complain when God brings change? That's a point of self-reflection. Because now... Moses has spent 40 years as a prince, as royalty, having everything that he could possibly want. Now he's headed to the wilderness for another 40 years where he has to make his own way. It's something about these two things, though, character clues and character correction that you need to know as it comes to your doorstep to help you kind of deal with it a little bit better. It's all a part of where God wants to take you. He's going to use all of it to promote you into your next season. You don't believe me. Moses spent 40 years in the palace understanding the ways of the government because he was going to have to come back to them and navigate the government to do the assignment that God sent him to do. He spends 40 years next in the wilderness and his occupation is what? A shepherd. Why would he have to be a shepherd for 40 years? Because he was going to be the pastor of the biggest megachurch in the history of the world. In his next season, 
And he needed to have a shepherd's heart to be able to handle the task. God uses it all as preparation for where you are headed. It may not make sense at the point of the pivot, but if you don't lose faith in the undefeated God that you serve, you will see that all of it has a place and a purpose for where God is taking you. The pivot has a purpose. So we have clues to our character when the pivot comes. <laughs> and then sometimes our journey requires correction to our character when the pivot comes. <laughs> but there's more. Turn to your neighbor and say, but wait, there's more. Now, before I go on, I don't want to lose nobody. We are a, 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 a multi-ethnic church on purpose. We're a multi-generational church on purpose, right? So I don't want to say stuff that's going to leave nobody behind. Okay, we got some chocolate in the audience. We got some vanilla in the audience. We got some butter pecan in the audience. Okay. Now, really quickly, before we move on, for my vanilla and my butter pecan people, there's something you need to know about chocolate people. Just real quick. We have this phenomenon in a lot of our, in our lineages, lineages, um, it's called play cousins. Yeah, yeah, play cousins. We have play cousins. So if we introduce you to somebody, we say this is our cousin, it may be, it may not be. See, play cousins are our cousins, but they're not really our cousins. But they really are our cousins. But they're really not our cousins. Okay. Not only that, some of us also have play aunties and play uncles. Now, don't, don't, y'all judging me. Okay, let me explain. It's not our fault. As infants, before we could talk, with pacifiers in our mouth, our mothers or our fathers introduced us to somebody and said, give auntie a high five. And what did we do? We gave the high five. So we were immediately programmed to think that this person that they just introduced us to was their sibling and our auntie, but it wasn't. It was just her girlfriend. It was just her homie. They was friends, and now auntie. Then what happens is auntie that's not my auntie has kids. Play cousins. They're at all the family functions, Christmas, 4th of July, Labor Day, Memorial Day. We all at the Forest Preserve together. One big happy family. And then one day you get a little older. You go to mama, big mama, somebody's house, and they got family photos, family books. Y'all know about that. But the last generation had books of photos. 
And so you pick it up, you flippity flip. Flippity flip. Flippity flip. And you see all of your aunties and uncles. That's really your aunties and uncles. But there's somebody missing. They be like, Mama, where's uh, auntie such and such? Did she miss all the photos? And then that's when it's explained to you, oh, no, that's not your real aunt. That's just my friend. But by then it's too late. We are now officially family. Even after we find out we're still family. This is, I'm, listen, this is, my, this is my true story. I got a couple of uh, play aunties and some play cousins. And when we introduce ourselves, it's, hey, cuz, hey, cuz, this is my cousin. So we have play cousins. I did all that just to let you know that Moses and Pharaoh were play cousins. I just wanted us to be on the same page. And so there was an intimate relationship between Moses and Ramses II, which is Pharaoh, this Pharaoh's name. Now, this is not the same Pharaoh that Moses ran from. That Pharaoh died. This Pharaoh is the one that Moses was raised with. And so that makes Moses' response to the assignment kind of like, what, like, what's up, bro? He's like, like, what you, like you know him. Like, that's cuz. I read through the next chapter where Moses and God have a conversation. And I found it pretty, pretty, pretty interesting because Moses. <laughs> okay. I have a picture of a burning bush. David's going to put it up there. I have a bush in front of my house. And when I was uh, preparing for this, I looked at the bush. And I said, if that bush catch fire, I'm running. <laughs> if that bush catches fire and then starts talking, I'm running faster. If that bush catches fire and starts talking and calls me by my name. Y'all wouldn't saw me no more. <laughs> but Moses was intrigued. <laughs> Bible says he said, let me go see. I'm like, OK, Moses, OK. But then, uh, 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 um, you know. This bush serves as the classroom for Moses and his character development. And as, I, as we read, you'll see Moses is having a conversation with God in a bush that's on fire and then got the nerve to turn God down, not once, mm -mm, not twice, five times. He told God, listen, I, no, no thank you. Five times. I, read, I, had to go, I had to go back and read that again. I'm like, did I count that right? But you know what happened? I read through it the first time and I saw Moses. And then I read through it again and I saw me. I saw me. Because sometimes God asks us to do things and we don't want to admit that we tell God, no, thank you. Not me. 
not today. So as we go through this, don't 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 you don't you look at Moses with that tone of voice. I wonder what are some of the excuses you've given God as he's called you to your assignment, to your purpose, to your destiny. We're going to look at five excuses that Moses came up with. But what about you? Number one, excuse number one, I'm not good enough. Now, this is cuz. Verse uh, chapter three, verse 11 says, but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? You know what happened? Moses got comfortable. Forty years. He reprogrammed his life. He was a prince. He had to run. But he found his way, so he thought. He built a nice career for himself. He found a wife and got married, had a couple kids, house with the picket fence, two cars in the garage, dog in the backyard. Now here comes God in a burning bush. Some of y'all got comfortable. You used to be so driven. You used to have so much ambition. If God said, Lord, send me, I'll go. But you got comfortable in life. You found your spouse. You found your career. The business is doing good. And all of that sucked out all of your drive, all of your ambition, and presented you with a life full of comfort that you don't want to leave. That was Moses' problem. He got comfortable. So when God showed up with a pivot, he didn't want to leave his comfort zone. That's what's really under there. Because he's not, he's, not, he's not really scared of Pharaoh. That's because I know him. But what he's really saying is, I'm afraid to get uncomfortable. God is never going to send you somewhere comfortable. God's never going to give you a comfortable assignment. He's always going to send you somewhere that will force you to never leave his presence. He's always going to assign you something that's going to require you to stay at his feet. I know that's not what they say on TV. But your Bible has too many examples of people being called to do things by God that were uncomfortable. So when God called you, have you told him I'm not good enough to start that business? I'm not good enough to lead that small group. I'm not, I'm not good enough to fix my marriage. I'm not good enough to get help for this addiction. I'm comfortable in it. 
How many of you have chosen your comfort over your Christ? I'm your pastor. I got I to gotta ask you these things because of where he's taking us. And trust me, he asked me first before I asked you. God responded to Moses. Though. When Moses said, I'm, 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 who am I? Who am I? And this is, this is what you need to know. He says, I'll be with you. And this is, a, this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. He was standing on Mount Sinai. For context, Mount Sinai is also the place where he would go after they got out to go and talk to God. Mount Sinai is the place where he received the Ten Commandments. He's standing there now. Before he executes, he's already where he's supposed to be. That's a word for somebody. You asking God for direction. He said, you're already here. That's why he told him to take his sandals off. Because where you're standing is holy ground. You're standing in your assignment. Some of y'all been visiting 37 times. You're already here. You're asking God for another's. You're already here. It didn't matter that Moses was having an identity crisis. And it doesn't matter that you're having an identity crisis. His response to you is, I will be with you. When will you accept that? I got to move on. But when will you accept the hard thing that he's asking you to do? He's not asking you to do it by yourself. Excuse number two, I don't have all the answers. We don't want to move on anything that God calls us to do unless we can see the whole strategy. We want to see every rung on the ladder. We want to see every twisted, every piece of the puzzle. Show it to me now. You can't handle it. That's the truth. Moses said in three, uh, Exodus 3 and 13, he protested again, even after God said, I'll be with you. This is his response to him, to God saying, I'll be with you. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask, well, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? You know what he was saying, man? I'm scared of these people. Come on, people pleaser. Hmm. When God tells you to do something, your response is, what will they think? Instead of what will he think, we go to what will they think? God replies, I am who I am. <laughs> what else do you need to know? You tell them that the I am sent you. Some of you need to let that into your spirit. He's trying to reveal what's already in your character. You wouldn't have these questions if you knew what he was trying to get out of your character. So after that, you would think Moses would be like, yeah, you know what, okay. That's okay. You're going to be with me? 
and I just tell them that you you got my back and it's going we go we going to rock this out nope chapter 4 verse 1 Moses protested again excuse number 3 is the people won't believe me what if they won't believe me or listen to me what if they say the Lord never appeared to you uh-oh all of you hesitant prophets scared to speak the word of the Lord what if they don't believe me what if they don't believe that you spoke this to me what if they don't believe that you sent me he's still stuck on them and so are you I love you but I got to tell you that you're standing in the way of what God is trying to do because you worried about them what if nobody buys my product what if I can't get any clients what if they don't give me the promotion? Why are you talking to him about them? It's a faith problem. You know what's, what's the underlying theme in all these excuses? He's measuring himself by himself. You know what's in the back of his mind, don't you? The same thing that's in the back of your mind, how you blew it in the past. That's why you won't go. That's why you won't speak. That's why you won't fill out the application. Because you're still talking to God from a place of defeat. While he's talking to you from a place of victory. He says, I'll be with you. You tell them that I sent you. And Moses is like, but you know, I don't know if they'll believe me. And so God goes through and gives them a couple of signs. And Moses has a staff in his hand. He says, throw it down. And Moses throws it down. It turns into a snake. He says, pick it up by the tail. He picks it up by the tail and it turns back to a staff. He says, now put your, he says, put your hand in your, in your coat and take it out. He did that, took it out. His hand was leprous. He said, now put your hand back in your coat. He puts it back in. His hand was clean. Signs and wonders. <laughs> to prove that he was not alone. Are y'all getting exhausted by all these excuses from Moses? Because God is getting exhausted by all these excuses from you. Lord, I need a sign. Here. Here's another one. You ask for one, I'll give you two. Now what? Now what's stopping you? What now, Moses? What now? Fill in the blank with your name. He's trying to make you uncomfortable and you're uncomfortable with being uncomfortable and so you stay in your comfort and you stay unfulfilled. You stay defeated because you don't understand that on the other side of your yes is power. On the other side of your yes is miracles, signs, and wonders. So Moses, excuse after excuse after excuse, even after signs and wonders. 
He says, excuse number five. He says, Lord, he prefaces it by saying, please send anyone else but me. What? After all I have spoke, I'm talking to you in a burning bush, dude. I'm calling you by your name. I'm telling you, you are a deliverer. I'm telling you, I'm with you. I'm telling you, I'm behind you. I'm telling you, I'm gonna work miracles through you. And you're still disqualifying yourself. Lord, please send anyone else but me. He, he cries to God, I, I, I'm slow of speech. I'm not articulate. I'm not educated enough. I don't have that charisma. I don't pray loud, so don't ask me to pray. I've got stage fright. I'm telling you what I told God, me. God don't care about that though. He cares about his glory. But do you? Are you making the pivot all about you? Do you have the kingdom in mind at all? Or do you just have your own fears, your own doubts, your own insecurities, your own shortcomings, your own failings? Is that what's at the top of your mind? You got to understand what he's trying to get out of your character. He's trying to get you to take that mask off that you've built up over the years and lay it down. Can we just do that prophetically real quick? Can we prophetically take the mask off and lay it down as a sign to him that we are willing to participate in his character development plan. That we're willing to stand in his presence and let him get out of our character what needs to be taken out and allow him to bring out of our character what needs to be brought out. Can we surrender in this moment? Because you know in your heart the things that he's instructed you to do. It's not a problem of what it is. It's a problem of how am I going to do that, Lord? His response to Moses is his same response to you. I will be with you. Is that good enough? Is that good enough? It's a fact that what he called you to do, what he assigned for you to accomplish, he didn't ask you to do it by yourself. Can we stand in this moment? We've had a hard conversation today on my first week back. But it's for our good. Seth Golden, I'll, get, I'll close with this quote from Seth Golden. He says, change. I forgot it. There it is. It's not a threat. 
It's an opportunity. Change is not a threat. It's an opportunity. Change is not a threat. It's an opportunity. To say it three times for you to get it. It feels like a threat, but it's actually an opportunity. If Moses would have stayed in Midian, we would have never heard of him. If he would have stayed in his comfortable box, we would not be talking about him right now. So I wonder if people are never going to hear about you because you won't move. Because you won't get uncomfortable. Because you won't surrender. A pastor friend of mine told a story really quickly. He got to go visit one of Martin Luther King's houses where he lived in Alabama. And it's a historic site now. And he went on a tour and they showed him upstairs. They showed him the different rooms. Um, it's a really small home and it was a 20 of them on, on this trip. And um, the last stop on the tour was the kitchen. So they all squeezed into the small quick kitchen, 20 of them. She turned the lights down and it's a light over this kitchen table. And the tour guide, she said, this is where it all happened. That's where it happened. They were looking around confused like, what, wait, what happened? And the tour guide told them it was at this table that Martin Luther King Jr. made the decision that he was willing to die to do the work that God sent him to do. How did he come to that conclusion? Well, just hours before he made that decision, his house was bombed. And that's when he realized that I may lose my life doing what God called me to do. And that realization, that pivot point in his life led him to make that decision, that conscious, internal decision. I'm willing to die for what God has called me to do. That's next level. But when God calls you, how committed are you? Jesus was committed. He had a pivot point too. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane at a pivot. Like, Lord, is there any other way to do this? Can this cup pass from me? But it was in that moment where Jesus made a decision that he was willing to die to do what he was sent to this earth to do. When are we going to get to the point, to the level of commitment that we're willing to throw away every ounce of comfortability to do what God has called us to do? Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.